Hey family, this is Ethan Tate, your um, friendly neighborhood and student ministry associate. And on today, we're going to be starting a new series um, called Meet the Staff. And uh-huh. I, ha- yeah, so <laughs> I have the pleasure of having Angelica Smith, you know, our Puerto Rican songstress. Oh, yeah. Puerto Rican songstress. Yeah, you know, she's our worship director at St. George's. And she'll be the first staff member that's being introduced um, throughout this series. So. Oh Thank my gosh, the us. first? Yay, thank you. But um, as we get started, so my first question for you is, um, so what was your childhood like? What was it like being, you know, growing up Puerto Rican in the <laughs> South, you know? <laughs> growing up Puerto Rican in the South. <laughs> what was my childhood like? I feel like that's such a loaded question. Um, So I was raised in a Christian household with two parents who were highly involved in all things she says. Um, my, <laughs> I was born in Puerto Rico, as he has stated already like twice that I'm Puerto Rican, and thank you for being proud with me. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, my parents moved to the States when I was a wee little baby uh, so that they could pursue getting a master's. Um. Yeah, so they came and they stayed at Fort Worth, Texas, and that's kind of where I grew up, in Texas. Uh, thankfully, there's a lot of other people speaking Spanish, but it's still, like, different cultures. Um, so I had a fun upbringing. Um, most people don't know this, but my dad is, and Ethan loves this fact, <laughs> if you could see him smiling right now. My dad is a clown, and he goes around like doing ministry through clowning. Um, so I know that that's kind of weird, but that's kind of how I, I grew up. I grew up traveling around with them. Um, he was always in, in and out of churches, not like on staff or off staff, like just going to different churches, pre- doing gospel presentations um, through clowning. So that's just, that was my upbringing. <laughs> and he did a lot of circus stuff in and out. Um Lots of missionary stuff, traveling literally all over the world. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of what I grew up in. Always in church, several times a week. Um, every now and then being able to travel with him. And my mom is kind of just the, she do everything, you know? Like, she can talk to anybody. She's the type of person that she'll say hi to you. and all of a sudden you're telling your life story to her. It's really weird. My mom has like made people cry in grocery stores. Like it's so weird. Not like bad. Like she'll go up to them or they just somehow start talking and then they're just like crying and like sharing. And she's just, she has that ability to just like comfort people and like be there for them. Um, She's an amazing leader. Uh, Yeah. So both my parents, super involved in church, a lot of leadership roles. So, yeah, I just grew up in that. Um, I was homeschooled. I'm not a homeschooler. I'm homeschooled. Don't be looking at me weird. Hey, tomato, <laughs> tomato. <laughs> so, yeah, I was homeschooled. Um, I played a lot of sports, uh, volleyball and basketball mainly. Loved basketball. And, yeah, that's basically, like, just in a nutshell. Okay. So, yeah. Growing up in a household with both your parents so involved in the church, how did you actually come with faith yourself? Yeah, so 
I can't really remember a time where it was, you know, again, like not being super involved. Um, I remember at like seven or eight, you know, saying, hey, mom, like I want to be baptized. Like I want people to know that I lo- love Jesus. You know, it was a very, very young age. Um, and obviously, you know, you get into your teen years and I, I, I never did anything crazy or like, I was never like a rebellious kid. Um, you know, I, I just, I did all the church things and yeah, I was, I was the good girl in a way, you know, I, I tried to stay on course. Obviously there were plenty of times where I did not stay on the right course. I mean, I think there's everybody. I know, I know. There was plenty of times where I veered. Took a little U-turn, <laughs> little U-turn here and there. Long turn to Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I, but I don't think, like, I think it wasn't until I was, like, in college where I truly had this moment of, like, wow, I am Christ's, like, Christ's daughter. Like, I'm God's daughter, and he is mine. I think, like, knowing that that shift was really what made it, no longer, you know, my parents' faith. It made it my faith. Because when I came to college to come here in Memphis, uh, went to Visible Music College, um, you know, that was the first time that I was, like, on my own. I could not go to church if I didn't want to, you know, because, like, my mama wasn't waking me up making sure I was going to church. (laughs) So that was, like, the first time I was almost confronted with, like, is my faith real? Is it my own? Um, so yeah, it wasn't until like, I was at one just kind of winter retreat that our school had and that, that, that idea just kind of clicked where I realized like, God is not only mine, like I'm his, like this like relationship. And when I truly realized in that moment that I think a lot of times because I made faith, like my personality or like, you know, I grew up in that, like faith was just what I did, like church was what I did. Um, I think it just felt a lot of things I had to do or like a lot of things that God was instructing me to do. But it wasn't until that age that, you know, that winter retreat where I realized like, man, God is not calling me to do anything that he hasn't already done for me. You know, I'm constantly being told like, you have to pursue God. You have to pursue a relationship with him and be obedient, you know, all this. And like, sure to have your devo time, you know, so you can seek God, seek God, seek God. Um, But it's not until that moment where I realized like, man, God is so like, he's pursuing me like crazy. So he's not asking me to pursue him without giving me an example of what that looked like. So yeah, it wasn't until I think I was in college that, and I was away from home that I realized that, man, how beautiful it is to It's not just, like, doing church, going to church, like, having this, like, personality, this persona. Like, not only do I get to be God's, but he's mine as well. You know, like, it's this mutual relationship. So, yeah. Well, you kind of handed towards my next question. Oh, sorry. It's fine, you know. (laughs) Nice little segue here. Mm -hmm. um, So, you obviously came to Memphis for Visible Music College. So, what was that experience like, just being in Memphis, new to the city, being in college? Yeah, I mean, obviously Memphis is a completely different place than Fort Worth. Um, 
I didn't hear people speaking Spanish all the time, which was like a big culture shock and I really missed it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I kind of just, I just kind of fell in love with Memphis. It being such a, like a big, small town, um, kind of just like that. It almost felt super, it felt like a lot more homey to me. And, you know, my intentions were never to come to Memphis and then stay in Memphis. Like that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. And, uh, and if you're my mom, that was definitely not the plan. <laughs> it was very much go to school. You better get your butt back to Fort Worth, you know? But yeah, I just like, I grew in love with just the spirit of the city. And to me, it felt, you know, being more involved in kind of, I guess, the music scene of Memphis. Um, it didn't feel super competitive. It felt like, to me, it felt super collaborative and like a city where people were kind of like striving to connect and network with other people. Um, and not that, that that's not in Fort Worth or not in any other city, but I hadn't like felt it the way I did when I came here. Um, so yeah, I just kind of grew in love with the pride that people have in Memphis. Um, yeah, like that camaraderie that can be found in Memphis. I think Memphis is such a rich place. Um, so much good and bad history. Um, and it's just, it's cool to see people from all walks of life kind of come together and kind of have this pride in the city. Um, so yeah, four years came here to go to Visible, uh, to study worship leadership. Um, that was fun. Had a great time. Yeah. Now I'm here. I'm stuck. You stuck? I mean, that sounds bad. No, I didn't. I chose to, to be here. Yeah. But, um, as a, <laughs> as a native Memphian, you know, we love you. Oh, Thankful that you. you're in our city. <laughs> But uh, as we know, not only did you fall in love with our city, but you fell in love with a certain fellow. Oh, my God. The segues you be doing yeah. up in here, Ethan. I'm semi-professional. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Oh, my gosh. Um, But, yeah, you fell in love with a certain young man by the name of John Paul. So I did. Yeah, that kind of. Story. That kind of. That, uh, that helped solidify my, <laughs> my love for Memphis, too. Um, yeah, so my. Now husband, John Paul, what's up, boo? I love you. Um, he was also at Visible, and he was a very smart guy, way smarter than me, and he was actually, like, he was the music theory tutor for kind of, like, the freshmen, the people who really needed help with music theory. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of met him through that. We were friends for, like, I think two years. Um, and then one day he kind of built the courage to ask me out. And I was like, okay, white boy, what's up? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> um, if, you know, if you all know my husband, he is the complete opposite of me. Um, you know, very quiet, very, I mean, he crazy. But for the most part, he's very reserved, very to himself. And I was like, not gonna want to go out with this obnoxious Puerto Rican loud person. Like he's not gonna want to do that. But I don't know, man. He asked me out, and I said, "Okay, John Paul." I mean, you know what they say: obviously, it's a trick. I mean, that's very much what happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, we kind of. He had also decided to stay in Memphis, like before. Um, I think he like decided that before our first date, like before we started going out. Um, so that that kind of worked out that. He graduated. Then we kind of went on our first date. I still had two years left. Um, 
And yeah, he stayed in Memphis. I stayed in Memphis. And then we decided to stay in Memphis together. And now, now we got a little mini John Paul. I have a little baby, Ezra. He's a, he's part of the COVID baby boom. If anybody has heard of that, uh, <laughs> we did the very stereotypical COVID thing and ended up getting pregnant. Um, but yeah, Ezra, he is uh, 21 months, the best little dude in the whole wide world. And yeah, I have my little family here in Memphis. Yeah, I will admit, your Ezra is really, really cute. He's the cutest. I feel kind of like a little bit bad for everybody else who has kids because mine's just the cutest. See, once DJ gets here... I'm going to have a difference of opinion. I but, mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm just saying. But, you know, <laughs> we're parents, so we get mm-hmm. to have those feelings. Um, so, you have that good bias. Yes. So you said you went to Visible to study um, work. Yeah, worship leadership, worship leadership is like my major. And then technically with a discipleship minor. Okay. So <laughs> that just means I took a lot of Bible classes. I gotcha. <laughs> so with you being the... um. Worship director for St. George's, how has that kind of correlated into um, becoming something that you just do every kind of on a regular basis on Sundays? How, to, how did the, top, the educational aspect tie in? And one of the things that I love, like I haven't had an opportunity to hear you lead worship at St. George's, but I've had the chance to hear you at different FSM events. And it's like every time that you lead worship, it feels like you're being led by the Spirit. Oh, and I thanks. obviously know that being led by the spirit isn't something that you could be taught. Mm-hmm. So like, how would you want to describe that as well? Well, that's a, there's a lot in there. <laughs> Let me try and be brief. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I have a lot to credit to Dr. John Johnson. Shout out. He was, uh, my worship leadership, uh, professor at visible. Um, Yeah. He's, he's the best. He's an incredibly wise man. He's kind of the type of person that you meet and you just, like, his presence almost commands this type of, like, respect. Like, you know he knows what he's talking about, you know? Um, and, yeah, like, his philosophy of teaching was very much so based on being intentional with seeking God's revelations and in the sense of continuously asking God, like, hey, God, what do you have for me? what is in this text or what is it that you want me to communicate or what is it that um, you want your people to know? It was very much based off of, man, let's just go to God first and let's just ask. And, um, you know, God is willing and wanting and ready to reveal himself to us. Um, I think at times we're just too loud. You know, we put too many things in the way. But anyway, um, the way he taught was very much – it was hard at times, but he would, like our first semester, um, we stayed the entire semester on John 4, which is, uh, people don't know, that's like the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also where the verse comes from, um, like the time is coming where worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Um, like literally every class, we would just read John 4. Every single class, the entire semester. And it was insane how every week we would have something new that we would see or something new that God would reveal and that we could talk about in that. Um, And he would also give us like sentences 
And he's like, okay, now go write a six-page paper on that. Like, go write a six-page paper on what forgiveness is. Or go write a six-page paper on what it means to have a contrite heart. It's just like, he would just sometimes either give me a word or give me a sentence. So it was very much like, just go seek God's word. Go research. Go look and see what the Lord reveals, what the Lord wants you to learn from that. So it was very much a type, a style of teaching of, he wasn't doing a lot of instruction. He was just kind of guiding and motivating and allowing God to be what, allowing God to be the one that showed us and taught us and revealed to us who he was. Um, so I think having that kind of like style of teaching really, yeah, it formed me a lot. And I think, um, yeah, whenever I go into leading worship or the idea that I have whenever I'm doing it is, man, I just want to be a motivator. I'm not up there. I mean, I am up there singing songs, um, but I really, truly don't want it to be a time where I'm just going up there, punching a few songs out and like, all right, see y'all next week. I'll have another four songs for you. You know, my desire is just to like be a motivator so that people can, maybe I can tell them some aspects of God and in that they can seek God further and hopefully, you know, providing a space where people feel comfortable to seek God and feel comfortable to receive God's revelation. Um, Cause yeah, like for me, like a very simple kind of definition of what worship is. Um, and I've, you know, if you know of me, heard me say this a hundred times, <laughs> but for me, like worship is just our natural response to the revelation of who God is, what he's done and what he's going to continue to do. So, you know, what is it within me that happens when I, when God has revealed himself to me, what's my natural response to that? You know, what's my, what's my natural response to God loving me? What's my natural response to knowing how God is um, sovereign and majestic and powerful and is victorious? Like what is my reaction to knowing that God cares and is faithful and pursues even whenever I have rejected him or been unfaithful, you know? Um, So yeah, like my hope is that going into leading worship, I'm motivating people into a time of showing them who God is from what I've received in Revelations and then hopefully them also going into that. And hopefully we are both like mutually just naturally responding to God. Yeah, that's really good. Um, Also, for some of you guys that don't know, Angelica also was originally hired to work with our student ministry team. FSM. Um, yeah. So, how's your experience been? Like, what's the what's the biggest takeaway that you've had from just working with our students? Oh man. Um, so I still work with students. Um, I'm kind of like my time's just divided now. Yeah. So half half leading worship at St. George's, and that and half hanging out with students. Um, oh man, what's my biggest takeaway? I mean, I love our students. I have had so much fun um, just working with students. I think I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, like, I think at times we just don't give this age group enough credit, you know? Um, and I think at times church's default is to, you know, sometimes we have, and I don't, I don't, this is not our church at all because, 
like I know the people who work in their children's ministry. Excuse me, and I know how deeply they care about you know teaching kids uh, the gospel and teaching them who God is. So this is not what our church is. <laughs> Don't hear me say that. Um, I think a lot of times children's ministry and youth ministry can become like this big babysitting time. <laughs> it's like let the parents do what they're doing and. You know, student ministry, we'll give them a little Bible, but we're also just going to try to chill, have fun, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just don't think that's giving students enough credit for thoughts that they're able to come up with and how God reveals himself to them as well. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've learned the importance of not discounting any age group because, you know, you know God wants to reveal himself to all ages. and. Yeah, there's just such a fun group of kids that, I mean, growing up in student ministry, obviously in church a lot, um, you know, sometimes church can become like a place to try to like hang out with guys, girls, you know, <laughs> um, just because, you know, you're there. But man, I just feel like we have such a group of kids who like care about loving one another, serving one another. Um, yeah, it's a really cool thing to see and have witnessed over the years that's just like this culture of belonging with one another um so yeah I've, I've learned a lot in just being a part of our student ministry so yeah I love them yeah they're a great group um I guess just two more things and then we'll wrap it up mm -hmm. so the first thing is is name three of the most interesting but unknown facts about Angelica the most interesting unknown facts about me. Okay, maybe one of them being that because of, like, the childhood that I had, I was, I was a magician's assistant. <laughs> like, I did the whole, like, being cut in half and like appearing and disappearing in a box kind of thing. This was when I was younger. Okay. So kind of did all that. And like, I know other like circusy acts and I know how to like juggle and ride a unicycle. <laughs> I definitely did not. I wish you guys could see Ethan's face. Well, listen. Let me, let me say that lightly, ride a unicycle lightly. I have not ridden a unicycle in, like, maybe five years. Okay. But the last time I did, I did it. Like, I, I knew how to do it. <laughs> I don't know if that's, like, three facts or if that's just. It counts. You gave us a couple. Okay. So, yeah, those are, that's something a lot of people don't know about me is that, yeah, I did a lot of magician's assistance, like, balancing acts. Uh, I longboard. I mean, I don't longboard anymore. I used to. I'm a mom now. Not that moms can't longboard. But if I have free time, I'm probably taking a nap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or washing the dishes. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what else is, like, super interesting about me. All right. So, <laughs> last question. If you could pick one meal oh, man. to eat. This is so hard. What would it be? 
this is so hard. If you know me, you know that eating is just like, Oh, man, this is so hard. The thing is, uh, I have, like, the American answer and then the Puerto Rican answer. I have two dishes. I can't choose. You can split it in between I, I American can't. and Puerto Rican. I can't. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to just pick one. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. allow you to split. Okay. American would be pizza. I can eat pizza any time of day multiple days in a row if I have to, not even if I have to because I want to. Pizza all day, every day. What kind of pizza? Um, Like just like a good old pepperoni pizza. Okay. Like New York style maybe is my favorite style, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Or the vodka pie from Aldo's. I've never had it. Oh, it's good. It's real good. Um. Yeah, it's like a, that's like not pepperoni. That's more like a different style cheese pizza and like vodka sauce. Like it's like a red kind of sauce, okay. but not marinara. Anyway, pizza. Love me some pizza. And then the Puerto Rican side would be more this dish that's called mofongo. It's um, like fried plantains mashed up in this ball with like garlic and other spices and stuff. And you put that on the side with like some... Arroz con habichuela, which is like you know some right white rice with beans on top. Shout out, mom! You're the best cook ever. Hey, mamas <laughs> know how to get feed their belly. Yeah. I know that for a fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, fun. Yeah, it really was fun. And like I said, this is supposedly the start of a new series. So okay. just keep looking out and listening. Let's go. And we'll introduce you guys to more staff members. Thank you for listening.